Good morning, everybody. Great to see you this morning. It's a beautiful, beautiful morning. I'm glad you've all decided to come to church today. And I'm, I'm also delighted that you've followed up on that decision. Because it's one thing to decide something. It's another thing entirely to follow up on that decision, isn't it? I made some decisions this weekend, Friday evening. I was planning out my weekend and I did myself a little list. And I decided I would mow the lawn. And I have mown the lawn. I decided I would trim the hedge, and I have trimmed the hedge. Only a trim, not the full cut, but just a, a little snippy trim. Decided I'd do that, wrote it on the list, done it. Hooray. I decided I would move my son Samson's guinea pigs from their winter quarters to their outdoor accommodations, cleaning them out in the process, which is not a very nice job, but I've decided I'd do it, and I have done it. Hooray. And I decided that I would clean out the pond we have. It's like a, a pond about so big, and it's been left over the winter. The fish have been quite happy at the bottom of the pond. But as any fish keeper, Peter, will tell you, you do need to do a bit of fish maintenance, a bit of pond maintenance, because it's one thing to decide to be a fish keeper, but unless you follow up on that, you won't be a fish keeper very, longer cause, very long, because you won't have any fish for very long. So today's talk is going to be all about making decisions and following up on those decisions, funnily enough. We've reached that point in our series, Way Truth Life, where I'm going to be talking about the father of life and our decision to either accept the good gifts of the good father or to decide not to. And this talk might get a bit serious today because it's a very serious subject. And it was really brought home to me by a wonderful lady now gone to glory uh, about a year and three months ago, Pam Jackson. And Pam was one of the matriarchs of the church here. She was one of the great women of the church. And um, she used to run the Thursday fellowship group that we've had for like 50 odd years or so, more or less since the church started here. Uh, now the Thursday service and still thriving under Steph and Peter's stewardship. And back when I started working for the church in 2010, I got to know Pam a little bit because I kind of got involved with the Thursday fellowship and that service just helping out. And also involved in a kind of an adjunct to that uh, fellowship called Lunch Club. And I, I tried to kind of help out with Lunch Club and, and Pam and the, the, the fellowship very much wanted to reach out wider to people in that group and bring more people in. So I brought some ideas along and it didn't quite, it didn't quite fit, to be honest. It didn't quite work out. So we ended up that we came to a very amicable ag agreement that Thursday Fellowship would remain the way it was and I would just assist in any way, fetching and carrying and moving stuff about and reading and playing the guitar sometimes. But I'd take over Lunch Club and, and kind of do what I wanted to do with it, uh, which was a bit more frivolous, let's say, a bit more silly than perhaps the, the, uh, the way Pam had seen things. And on one memorable occasion, I decided that I wanted to reach out to our bingo players. We have a Tuesday bingo afternoon that we run at the Crownwood Community Center. And I thought, well... Lunch club is the natural kind of church light next step for these people, but they're not responding. They're not responding to the invitations that I would give and Don would give and Rob would give and Val and others would give at that bingo club. They weren't really coming. So I thought, I know what we'll do. We'll theme it bingo. We'll just, because every lunch club has a theme and we do usually a quiz and we do a secular kind of pop song or rock song. We've, we've gone to country sometimes just so it's on theme. We do a 10-minute talk and then a worship song or two, and out we go, having 
fed them and watered them and all that. It takes a couple of hours. It's a lovely thing. But I thought, why don't we call it a bingo theme? And we can say, why don't you come and play bingo? So this is what we did. And they came. Quite a few new people came to that service. But Pam, I'd forgotten to bring Pam in the loop on this. And so I was standing at the back there, kind of just, we were just getting ready to serve the lunch. And Pam walked in. And she looked at the screen here, and on the screen there were like bouncing, bingo, smiley, happy, bouncing bingo balls spelling out the word bingo. And Pam looked at the screen, and she looked at me. She looked with a look of incredulity, I have to tell you, and not a little dissatisfaction. And she stormed towards me. Stormed is a strong word, I know, but she did storm towards me. And she hit me with a bit of a a three-punch verbal combination, kind of a left jab, right cross, uppercut. Simon, are you going to play bingo in the church, by which he meant the hall, on Maundy Thursday? Whack. So I tried to recover. Yes, Pam. Big beaming. Yes, Pam. On Maundy Thursday. Yes, Pam. Well, I won't be staying. And she stayed for lunch and then, and then went. But to her great credit, a couple of weeks later... At our much less silly midday munch gathering, where we just have lunch and a bit of a chat, really, she came up to me and she said, Simon, I'm sorry about a couple of weeks ago. I know what you're trying to do, and I must have made it difficult for you. I thought that was really magnanimous of her, actually. Here's this great lady of the church, been working really hard for decades, and and she had that humility. She had a humble heart, and uh, she kind of put things right, really. Um, Now, that's my first story about Pam, and that really is a story about reaching wide and trying to help people to, to get to church and get just on the beginnings of a relationship with God and with church. The second story about Pam is near-ish, near-ish to the end of her life. She had a horrible lung uh, disease, and it came time for her to leave her house and move to Clement House, which is kind of sheltered accommodation. And uh, she asked, would I go round to her house and move some stuff, help to kind of move some stuff. No problem. So I went round, and I moved some stuff, and I remember thinking, there's not that much stuff to move, really. But she made me a cup of tea, and we had a chat. And she sat me down and said, Simon, you're, you're really good at showing people how much God loves them. And at, and at EBC, you and Chris and the other, everybody in the preaching team is really good at expressing God's love for people. And you do love them, she said, which was quite touching, really, because it was like she'd been convinced that I did. But then she said this, she said, but we need to make sure that people understand they have to make a decision. God does love us, but we have to decide to accept that love. We have to make a decision. And it was very, very powerful. And I've come to decide that actually it was a bit of a smokescreen that can you come and move stuff for me? I'm pretty sure. No, I am certain that actually what she wanted was that conversation. And I remembered it. And a couple of weeks later, I was preaching at Songs of Praise. And I gave what I call my uh, sales training talk, which is all about making a decision. And Pam again made a beeline to me. But this time, it was to say thank you. Thank you for giving that talk. Because she knew that I knew, and I knew that she knew, and so on. It was down to what she'd said to me. So I want you to bear in mind that today, that notion of, and imperative of, We must make a decision. Comes a time when we must make a decision to accept God and to accept the gifts of the Father. That is Jesus, sent by the Father, and the Holy Spirit, 
sent from the Father. And today I want to explore again the account that Jesus' friend John wrote about his life. We've been looking at this through this series. And I want to look at chapter 15 of John's account. And this is where Jesus uses a metaphor, a metaphor, metaphor about the Father being like a gardener. Actually, a metaphor, that would be a simile, not, a God, not like gardener. Jesus said, God is the, the gardener, the Father is the gardener. And I am the vine, and you are the branches of the vine. So as we explore this passage, which is going to come up on the screen, just keep in mind this necessity of making a decision. So Jesus said, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, <clears throat> so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Pruning, we, we know this from gardening, if you do any gardening, you prune the plant to make it more fruitful, you cut back the, the dead wood. Next one, please. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Now notice the order here. Notice that Jesus is saying, you have to remain in me. You have to choose to remain in me. Decide to remain in me. And if we do, he will remain in us. Notice that the branch can't be fruitful unless it remains connected to the vine. And we cannot be fruitful unless we remain in Jesus. Yes, I am the vine, he says. You are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I would say decide to remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Next one, please. Anyone who does not remain in me, anyone who does not choose to remain in me, anyone who does not decide to remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Now again, I just want to emphasize, this isn't a picture of the gardener just randomly hacking off any old branch and throwing it away to be burned. This is already dead wood. This is already dead wood. It's lifeless. There's nothing coming from it. And that comes from the decision that we all make to either remain rooted in Jesus or to not. It's not a hacking off and then it dies. It is as good as dead if it does not remain in the vine. It's dead wood. It's just the dead wood that is trimmed away. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, if you decide to remain in me, and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want, and it will be granted. We can ask for anything we want. Now, let's not be asking for the moon on a sick. He doesn't mean that. He means if we remain in him, we will be aligned with the will of the Father. And therefore, the things that we will ask for, we will ask for them if they align with the will of the Father. That's what that means. You may ask me for anything you want, and it will be granted. Okay. 
how then do we remain in Jesus? We can make the decision, but how do we follow up on that decision? We can decide to follow. How do we follow up on that decision? How do we remain in Jesus? How do we accept the Holy Spirit? Come to that. On a foundation of love is the short answer. On a foundation of love. A relationship is a two-way thing. We can talk to God through prayer. We can listen to God through reading the Bible. We can pray, we can fast, we can focus our minds and our reflections on God. Remaining in Jesus, rooted in him, fed by his spirit. Just move on to the next one, please. When you produce much fruit, says Jesus, you are my true disciples. And this brings great glory to my father. When you produce much fruit, what fruit? Well, fruit in other people's lives. Making people disciples. The mission that we've been given by Jesus. Go and make disciples of all nations. That's being fruitful. But there's fruitfulness in our own lives. Lives based on love. Lives pouring out love to other people. And this brings great glory to my Father. And great joy to us actually as well. Gives purpose and value and meaning to our own lives. Fruitful lives. Rooted in Jesus. Brings great glory to the Father. Picture the garden again. Beautiful garden, roses and other flowers that I might not know the names of. Beautiful garden. Brings glory to the gardener, does it not? It brings great glory to the gardener. And our fruitful lives bring great glory to God. We remain in Jesus then by prayer, fasting, reading the Bible, Serving, loving, giving. Being fruitful is all of those things. But it's on a foundation of love. Move on to the next slide, please. Jesus said this, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy yes your joy will overflow it's a picture of a fruitful life and then the next slide this is my commandment this is my commandment and remember jesus has said follow my commandments obey my commandments and you will remain in me this is my commandment love each other in the same way that i have loved you love each other in the same way that i have loved you and that was a sacrificial love as we move into Easter week. Just remember how much of a sacrificial love that was. And that's what Jesus calls us to. That's his command. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. With sacrificial love. He repeats later on in the chapter. This is my command. This is my command. Love each other. And then we'll be fruitful. We'll be true followers. We won't just have decided to follow and then done the thing. We'll be true followers. We'll, we'll have made the decision to follow and we'll have followed up. We'll be true followers. Not notional or nominal Christians. Oh yeah, I guess I believe in God. So much dead wood. That is so much dead wood. It's one thing to make a decision to follow. But are we truly following up on that decision? 
Or are we cutting ourselves off from God like so much dead wood? Love each other. Pray for the Holy Spirit to come into our lives and to guide us and stir us up and fire us up for God and each other. Ask for him to speak to you and watch over you. These are the things that we can pray about and be absolutely sure God will answer because it lines up with his will. Love each other. Listen out for the Holy Spirit in your life, the still small voice or the amazing and wonderful sign. But tune in. God's talking to us all the time if we tune in and listen. Let's have the next slides, please. Jesus said, I will send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. The Holy Spirit gift comes from the Father, just as Jesus was sent by the Father for us. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. And you must also testify about me because you've been with me from the beginning of my ministry. These are the good gifts of the Father, which we can decide to accept or decide to cut ourselves off from. It's like, I guess it's like, in a sense, being cut out of a will. That's the expression. Somebody cuts you out. But this is our decision to make. The Father is waiting for us to, to welcome us home. Like the story of the prodigal son, the lost son, we sometimes say. The Father, just like the father of the, uh, the soldier, is waiting to embrace us. But notice first in that story of the lost son, the son made the decision. He made the decision to come home. He made the decision. And he followed up on that decision to come home. And we can decide that to sever ourselves permanently, eternally from God, or to not. To decide to stay with him and be blessed by his gifts. I was reading this book, rereading this book, On God. It's a Christian apologetics book by William Lane Craig. It's a great book. And in it, he sets out a really, really stark distinction between the atheistic worldview, people who don't believe in God, and I would say anyone who cuts themselves off from God, actually, and the Christian worldview. On atheism, you see, there's, there's no real value or meaning or purpose to the universe, let alone our own little lives, yours and mine, because it's all, on the atheistic view, it's all just going to pass away and what's the what's the value or meaning of that ultimately without god the the there is no real value no no permanency in anything only with god can we decide to have that and to live in the light of that now if we accept the father the gardener and his good gifts suppose atheism is true it isn't but suppose atheism is true the best we can hope for then is death that's it no matter what good endeavors we do in life, that's it. Just that brief snap of time and that's it. And by the way, the universal will be gone as well in time. That's the best the atheist can hope for. It's the best too that the person who cuts themselves off from God can hope for. But what if the Christian view is true, which it is? Then there really is value. And there really is meaning. And there really is purpose in life. And there's an invitation to life eternal. In heaven. Do you know, it struck me that we're going to know one of two things when we die. We're going to either know that 
God is there and heaven is there and was there all along. Or we'll know nothing because we'll just be dead. On the atheist view, we'll just be dead. That's the best they can hope for. Worst the Christian can hope for. The best they can hope for. There will be no I told you so you Bible bashers t-shirt in the grave. There's no merchandising cart that says told you so sucker because we'll all just be dead. So we'll either know nothing or we'll know all of us for sure that God and heaven were there all along and there for all eternity. Now imagine this. It may be one thing for the, the atheist or even the nominal, notional Christian to say, well, I, I cut myself off from really. I'm not really interested. It doesn't really affect my life very much day to day. Ups and downs. Christians get ups and downs too. Who cares, really? But it's a decision with eternal consequences. And the best they can hope for is death. But imagine this. Imagine having cut yourself off from God, having chosen to reject the gift of Jesus and the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then, knowing when you die, knowing for sure that God and heaven really do exist eternally. Imagine having made that decision. And then knowing for sure that heaven was there all along and you said no thanks. You have cut yourself off if you make that decision. And that is the decision. Make no mistake. I, I, I don't think I need to go into what being thrown into a fire to be burned might mean. It's hell enough, isn't it, to be thinking, I've cut myself off for all eternity. And heaven was there all along. And that is the decision. That is the decision. Choosing to follow Jesus. And choosing to follow up on that decision. Or to not, to cut yourself off, to say no to the good gifts of the good father for all eternity. Now, I know that chances are this won't be one of those talks where lots of people say, oh, that was a great talk, thanks, Simon, because uh, let's be honest, talks that mention hell don't really win many plaudits, but it wants saying. I've got reasonably broad shoulders and I'm up to date, so I'm saying it. Because I remember Pam really well. And she was right. If, if she'd had, you know, when she was just about to die, I went to see her in the hospice. And she was not in a very good state, didn't have much energy, very gaspy. And she said something like, um, oh, there's so much on your shoulders. Chris had just announced that he was leaving our senior minister, who, who's now at Andover. There's so much on your shoulders. And I just... The sense of it was that if she had the youth and the vigor and the strength, she'd do it herself because it was so important. And do you know what? With Pam, she would. She would. She absolutely would. So from time to time, you're going to get this kind of a message. God absolutely loves us. He absolutely loves you. And there will be people here today who really, really need to know that and be reminded of that. And it's true. And he's got heaven waiting for you for all eternity where there'll be no more pain and no more suffering and no more injustice. But we do have to make a decision to accept the gift, free of charge, bought and paid for. And in Easter week, we remember that too. But make the decision and follow up on that decision. It's eternity in heaven 
with the good gardener, the good father, for its eternity cut off in the certain knowledge of his existence and the existence of heaven. So decide, just decide to slip your hand into the loving hand of the gardener, the king, the father of life. Embrace him for his good gifts of love. Jesus sent for us, sent to be the way to us. And the Holy Spirit sent to guide us, sent to reveal the truth about God to us. These good gifts sent to give us life in all of its fullness. Now and for all eternity. Make your decision. Choose and follow up on that choice. Choose to follow and follow up on that choice. So that we can have a relationship through God's good gifts, through God's grace a restored relationship and an eternal life with him. Let's pray.